Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Cultural destruction. Have you ever wondered why the communist does it? Because he does it everywhere. Why the cultural destruction? In the Soviet Union, it was churches, statues. They would rename the city streets. That's after the communists took over. When Mao's communists took over in China, they would do things that almost didn't even make any sense. They would, they would go to old graves old tombstone, Confucius, you know, thousands of years old, world-renowned, and they would tear up the graves and the grave sites, would tear down the Buddhist temples, tear down the statues. That doesn't even make any sense. Why would they, why would they do such a thing? What, what is the goal? Well, I want you to think about your home, all right? Because I write about this in the Anti-Communist Manifesto. I want you to think about your home. Why do you love your home? What is it you actually love about it? Have the bricks and paint been nice to you? No, no, you don't, that's not what it is. Your home is special to you because of the memories in your home. When you look at your uh, fireplace, man, that's where you uh, 
had a glass of wine with your wife one night, had a lovely evening. When you look over at this corner, that's where you watch the kids gather around the Christmas tree, open up gifts. When you look at your kitchen, you come in, you, go, you either cook there, or you eat there, or you've had wonderful times there with your family, wife, husband, eating. It's wonderful. You still, you still tell jokes about the time you burnt dinner and the smoke alarm went off. Your walls. Why do you care about your walls? Well, those are Grandpa's World War II medals that hang on the wall. All these things, these memories of your home, these things that are in it, they give your home meaning to you. So what if I was a communist and I wanted your home burnt to the ground? Because I want you out of that home. I want you to come live in the home I've made for you. You're going to be resistant to me burning your home to the ground. If I showed up at your door, hey, let me in there. I got a, uh, matches and a can of gas. I'm going to burn this place down. You'd say, no, get lost. I'm calling the cops. You pull a gun on me. But what if I could find a way to get inside of your home and just kind of start removing those things that make your home your home? Oh, that fireplace, asbestos. Uh, we we got to get rid of the fireplace. Sorry. Ooh, Grandpa's old medals. You know what? I found, I found a letter from your grandpa. He was a racist. He was a horrible racist. Let's get those off the wall. You're not a racist, are you? Let's get those things off the wall. It's, it's terrible. And I would sit there and I strip you of the things that bind you to your home. And once I've done that, not only will you let me burn your home down, you might help me do it. By the time I'm done, you don't have any connection to that home. It's just brick and mortar. It means nothing to you. Cultural destruction is intentional. It's what the communist does. Here's a little excerpt from my book, Chapter 3. The arrival of the communists is heralded by a simple word, destruction. Destroying monuments to the past and present and perverting history is his way of making sure you hate yourself and your country enough to just let him destroy it. It's not just a tactic he uses in his quest for power. It is the base tenet of his sick religion. Now think about what's been happening in your country for a while now. Statues of Washington coming down. Columbus coming down. Statues all over the country coming down. Painting, paintings being taken down from the walls of Congress. But why? What is his purpose? It doesn't make any sense. Why, why, why take down a statue? Well, if America becomes some meaningless blob of nothing to you, with no history, nothing you can be proud of, nothing you can even really see, then you will be much more willing to allow the communists to build a new America for you. And the bad part of this is, the people who are supposed to be fighting for us, the people who are supposed to recognize these things and stand up for us, those are the people who go along with the communists thinking if we just, if we just let them change a couple military base names, then it'll all go away, like this loser James Langford in Oklahoma. We are also seeing now um, efforts to rename military bases across the country. The Senate, Senate Armed Service Committee voted on that uh, this week. We've seen leading voices like General David Petraeus saying it's time to stop having uh, military bases named after Confederate generals like Braxton Bragg. Is it time? 
I do actually. I think the right way to be able to do this is to be able to have a study, to be able to look at where the name come from, what what do we need to have to be able to take a serious look at it, and then to be able to transition. There are lots of great leaders, military leaders that are around the country that are modern leaders uh, that we can continue to be able to honor. Oh, they went for the easy targets. Sissies like James Lankford and the Confederate military base names. You certainly don't want to be called a racist, right? I, I don't believe in slavery. And that was the foot in the door. Ultimate low-T GOP move. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, we're certainly not racist. Uh, I'm, I'm Mr. Black People. Yep, change the name of these things without recognizing it's a tactic. Of course, they started with the Confederacy. And before you knew it, George Washington came tumbling down. It had nothing to do with the Confederacy. It had everything to do with destroying your history, which brings us to the street communists. Because Nancy Pelosi's not going to go down there and pull down a sign or, or yank down a painting personally. They would never get involved in that icky business. You need foot soldiers for that. And they have them. Antifa and Black Lives Matter are two of the main street animal groups the communists use in this country. Here's another excerpt from my book. Quote, both BLM and Antifa are explicitly communist. They are the red guards of the American communist movement, the foot soldiers of the revolution. The language they speak is violence and destruction. The battlefield on which they fight is the streets of your city or hometown. Their goal is no different than that of their comrades in past generations, to destroy everything before them and replace it with their own chaotic hellhole. Do I need to remind you of the Black Lives Matter handiwork in Minneapolis? How was last night? Scary. I live in the high-rise right back here, and I see them as they came down Lake Street. But then they turned and started coming over here, and I'm sitting up looking in my, out my window. And they went straight to Office Max, the dollar store, and every store over here that I go to. I have nowhere to go now. I have no way to get there because the buses aren't running. These people did this for no reason. It's not going to bring George back here. George is in a better place than we are. And last night, I'm going to be honest, I wish I was where George was because this is ridiculous. These people are tearing up our livelihood. Awful, isn't it? But she was wrong about something. These people are doing it for no reason. Oh, they're doing it for a reason. They have a purpose. Don't think that all this destruction is just meaningless violence. There's a purpose to it. And we haven't been able to be true anti-communist yet because half the people on our side are still marching with them. Hey, Senator, why is it important for you to be out here today? We need a voice against racism. We need many voices against racism and against brutality. We need to stand up and say that Black Lives Matter. Ugh. And do I need to remind you while they were building up the cops or the enemy narrative, which would then allow them to tear down these monuments, defund the police, turn America's cities into a living hell, while Antifa and Black Lives Matter were doing that, 
Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina couldn't run to the podium fast enough. I'm surprised he didn't pull a hammy. He was running up there so fast to join with his good friend Cory Booker and put together a bill to, for, to reform the police. You see, the GOP, the low-T GOP of Washington, oftentimes they can't wait to help the communists build another false narrative that will allow them to torch your history. But let me tell you something before we move on, because we have a great show. Julio Rosas was in these protests. He's going to join us next. Let me tell you something. You have a wonderful history. It's wonderful. Nobody's history is perfect. There's all kinds of ugly in everyone's background. Your history is wonderful, and it's something you should be proud of. You should be proud of George Washington, proud of Christopher Columbus, proud of Andrew Jackson, proud of Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee. These men, they're part of what made your country what it is today. The great parts, the bad parts, you should be building more monuments to them and celebrating them because if you continue to allow the street animals to tear them down, eventually you'll find yourself or your kids will find themselves with just nothing to care about. So go ahead and burn it down. I don't care about that house anymore anyway. Grandpa was a racist after all. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. We're going to talk to Julio next. seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin over the course of the night. A second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot in the back seven times by a police officer. And what you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. Joining me now, my buddy Julio Rosas, senior writer for Town Hall, also author of the book Fiery But Mostly Peaceful. It's an outstanding book, by the way. Julio, you were actually on the ground after St. George Floyd died and all those different protests. Did you get a real peaceful vibe? You were a Marine. You know exactly what peaceful and not peaceful looks like. No, no, not at all. And, and really when, uh, you know, I went to the first one in Minneapolis right after everything started, I actually thought that I would cover Minneapolis and then go back home and then that would be that. But as, uh, you know, the months continued and the riots would just continue to happen and at the very first one in Minneapolis, I mean, you had Ali Velshi with, uh, you know, burning building behind him. He was saying that, you know, it wasn't a unruly protest, but, you know, that there were fires that had been started. And so, that to me signaled that this is how the media was really going to kind of cover these things. And so it was going to be up to myself and a handful of others, but independent and uh, other conservative news outlets to try their best to cover these riots when they come up as often as, as we could, because we knew that the mainstream media was going to try their best to justify, excuse, or, or you know, just downplay what, what was happening, uh, when obviously what was happening was, was inexcusable in terms of the response to some of these uh, actions. And really, like with what you play with Kenosha, that one, it really, really hurts to see because an entire town was destroyed over a justified police action. 
who were these people, Julio? We're, we're talking about doing a real focus on the street animals, the Antifa types, the Black Lives Matter types. It, it just, it's so far beyond me to show up at some city where I'm not from and start bashing in windows and hurting people. Yet there are apparently a lot of people who do that in this country. Who are these people? Well, they're, they view themselves as revolutionaries. I mean, they truly believe that what they're doing is taking action against this uh, inherently oppressive state against against minorities and particularly black people. And so you have a lot of you have a lot of those on the far left. But then you also have kind of like this anarcho-communism types uh, within the Antifa groups. And, uh, you, you know, they are they are across the country, but they are uh, concentrated in places like the Pacific Northwest in places like Los Angeles, because obviously that's where the kind of the ideological breeding grounds are, are the strongest. And so really it, it's interesting because, I mean, with the recent riots in Atlanta over the, the police training facility that they're calling Cop City, of those that were arrested, a majority of those were actually from outside Atlanta. And so it is not unheard of, and it's actually kind of the norm really for at least the really hardcore believers in this far left ideology to actually show up and do kinetic action. And then of course you do have locals who show up, uh, Kenosha again, as an example, it really got hit hard because not only did you have the locals, but you had people coming in from Chicago and Milwaukee, cause it's kind of sandwiched in between those two metropolitan areas. So it, it really, it, it's, it's, it's a hodgepodge of people. It's a coalition of, of these really radical individuals. Here's the media doing some more gaslighting during all that. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's... You know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. But thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Julio, is the media evil in this country? A large portions of it are, yes. And and I, I always go back to the example of when I was first starting out in journalism and when President Trump at the time use the phrase enemy of the people to describe the mainstream media, I thought, ah, you know, that's a little too far. I don't, I don't think that's true. But after going, and, and this, it did happen a little bit before, but especially after having covering all these very violent events that were promoted or that were perpetrated by far, the far left um, and seeing the, the broader media landscape reacting to it, and like I said, justifying it, downplaying it, or trying to excuse it, uh, it, it really brought to bear that, like, no, that these people truly believe that what is happening is good. They want it to continue to happen because it, it, it aligns with their ideology. So, uh, I mean, unfortunately, uh, a lot of a lot of the mainstream media is evil, and it, and it comes in big and small ways. Obviously, the riots were the most acute, most in-your-face example of it, but it, it comes in big and small ways uh, th throughout. I mean, just any recent. Uh, you know, controversy. I mean, just look at what happened after Nashville, after that shooting by a transgender shooter, right? Um, so anything that they can use to, to really try to uh, push their worldview under the guise of reporting. And, and 
innocent people get hurt as a result of that because again with jacob blake in kenosha he was described as an unarmed black man over and over and over again without hedging their bets because well it looked like that in the video and so do you not think that the rioters were invigorated that were were inspired were were pushed to uh commit this violent act against a small town because of the the rhetoric being pushed by the media I mean, it's it's really they they are responsible for what happened in 2020, and they act like everything was fine. Those cities that suffered all that damage are they all back on their feet? You don't see anything about them now. You're not looking at burned out buildings. Are they all fine now? No, no, and you don't even have to use the recent examples in 2020. I mean, you go far back as the 60s. Look what happened to Newark and Detroit. I mean, those cities yeah. have been just in shambles since the 60s I, I mean, and i always find it uh, amusing a little bit when the left says oh well 93 percent of the blm protests were peaceful and it was only seven percent and to that i say thank god because could you imagine if it was 10 percent or 20 percent violent just in that seven percent there was over two billion dollars worth of damage and that's just in the the, the money sense that there was multiple people who were killed there were hundreds wounded on both you know within like regular civilians and within the police um, and so it only takes one right to set back a community decades of, of, of economic prosperity. Uh, and like I said, you go back to uh, some of these other places like Newark and Detroit. And, and today, I mean, Minneapolis is, is, is nowhere near the city and the metropolitan area that it once was. I was there last summer to do a ride along with the, with the police department there. And what really stuck out to me was it was in the middle of the day. I, it was before I was gonna go out with them. It was the middle of the day. It was a work day and uh, there was nobody on the streets. And it was a nice day too. Um, it, and there was nobody on the street. It was, it was a ghost town. The only people that you would pass by were the strung out homeless people that had taken over the bus stops. And so that, that, that's the reality that a lot of these cities are today. And again, you're, you get called a racist, you get, you get called a fear monger if you point out those facts. Golly. Julio, appreciate your brother, Seb Fi. Thanks. All right, Andy No joins us next. Sandy No, 2019, being physically assaulted by Antifa. He's a senior editor post-millennial, post why I can't talk today. Also author of the book Unmasked, if you want to know about Antifa. Andy, here we are, what, about four years later, if memory serves me, and how do you still process all that crap? Um, you know, that wasn't the only ass assault, unfortunately. Two years after that, in May of 2021, I was beaten again when I was undercover uh, on the streets of Portland. Uh, and I, I never got justice uh, in through, pro through prosecutors in either case. But how I process it is that um, I, like many American citizens, have experienced a 
two-tier system of justice, depending on which jurisdiction you live in. If you are perceived to be uh, on the right or somehow against the agenda of the radical far left, um, you are not then um, deserving of various rights. And so um, what I've seen in Portland and many other cities where I do reporting on in the US, on the West Coast in particular, is that um, Antifa can organize publicly uh, and carry out acts of criminal violence and property destruction in the open. And if they are arrested, um, they have their charges dropped by left-wing prosecutors. Um, if a conservative group wants to hold some type of um, patriotic event or pro-Trump event um, uh, at a park or somewhere in public and they are assaulted, uh, police won't show up and they're entirely on their own and will um, we'll just have to deal with being beaten or even killed. There was a Trump supporter who was killed by an Antifa member in 2020 in Portland during the riots. Andy, I've tried to explain this to people on the right before, that they are walking into an area that is no longer America. Because when I tell people, hey, don't do this or don't go there, be careful protesting here, I will inevitably get a patriotic person, I'm not bad-mouthing them, but a patriotic person saying, are you telling me I don't have the First Amendment? And I'm trying to explain to them, no, you don't, not, not there, not in Portland. Yeah, I've actually seen those tweets from you. You're actually, you're right. Um, if it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a right-wing political event. For example, in 2021, um, there was an evangelical Christian group that wanted to do a, a family worship event in downtown Portland, and Antifa saw that as a threat. And so Antifa announced publicly on social media that they were going to show up, and they did, and showed up with weapons and through these homemade explosives um, where children were, where families were just gathered and police never came. And the sound equipment for that worship event was dumped into the Willamette River. Police made no arrests. So yes, you are right that um, it, on paper, yes, there's a first amendment in, you know, everywhere in the United States of America. In reality, it's, it's very different um, because the rule of law in many, many jurisdictions are, are compromised. And this is the brilliance, I think, of um, George Soros and other um, left-wing uh, funders of district attorneys across the U.S. is that um, by just spending um, money on strategic positions, political positions, you can have huge, immense uh, power and consequence uh, affecting millions and millions of American citizens. Andy, why would Antifa show up to a Christian event? That doesn't make sense. Uh, these are anti-fascists, right? Uh, but why would a Christian event bother them in any way? So Antifa can really only organize and rally people in opposition to something. So in 2016, the election of Trump was actually a huge propaganda win for them because on top of their own propaganda messaging, they now have the entire establishment media class and all these institutions, liberal institutions, repeating essentially the same lies that America had elected a fascist, 
people needed to resist by any means necessary. And when they say that, it's a dog whistle to violence. Well, with Trump out of the office, how now do they rally rally their comrades together? Well, it's to go after Christians because Christians are fascists because um, uh, you know Christians may oppose um, abortion. Um, they may be critical of trans ideology or medical transitioning of minors, all these things. So, you know, what Antifa have been organizing around um, from uh, 2021 onwards is um, attacking um, uh, pregnancy resource centers. You know, they did this through these cells that were activated under the name of James Revenge after um, Roe v. Wade was overturned. They firebombed pregnancy centers uh, from coast to coast in the U.S. Um, some of them are now being prosecuted. Um, they attack people, families who protest against um, CRT or radical uh, queer ideology in, in, in curriculums. Um, they attack people who protest against children's drag queen events. So, you know, there are, my point is Antifa are constantly moving the goalposts. Um, really, I mean, to put it simply, they label any opposition as fascist, and they do that because then they can say that, you know, if you don't agree with us, then you're on the side of the fascists, you know, and the language is meant to dehumanize your opposition and also to rally liberals to then be okay with a certain level of political violence, which has happened. You can see that liberals... Uh, Democrats, they don't blink an eye when far-left extremists use violence to shut down conservative events at universities or in the public, or when uh, far-left extremists threaten judges, uh, Supreme Court justices. They don't bat an eye at all. That's kind of just seen as um, normal now. So this is how insidious, I think, Antifa and the far-left are. People don't really realize that it goes a lot further than the brick, bro, uh, the brick throwing, the setting stuff on fire, or hitting somebody on the head with a baton. It's really shifting the culture, the leftist, the left wing in America, to accept political violence against the right. Well, they truly are the foot soldiers of these people. Andy, no, stay safe out there. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. They're on call, and they're protected from up on high, just like we talked about. That's why they do what they do. Anyway, let's talk to Dave Rubin about this. Next. into our newsroom shows hundreds of people crowding in Arco near Central and Alondra. After smashing the door, dozens of looters flooded into the store, grabbing anything they could. L.A. Sheriff's deputies tell us there were thousands of dollars worth of merchandise stolen and a thousand more in damages. This as deputies deal with numerous street takeovers throughout the city. Deputies say they couldn't intervene because of safety concerns as they were very outnumbered. That doesn't sound good, now does it? Joining me now, my friend Dave Rubin of, of course, the great Rubin Report. Dave, uh, this stuff seems to be happening a lot now in blue cities in America where the cops will just kind of have to just park it outside and film while the animals take things over. Is this just what our cities have become now? 
Jesse, can we have your cracked producers put gas station looting expert beneath my name? Uh, you know, what, what in God's name are these children? And that's what they are. What are they doing attacking a gas station? I mean, at least in the old days, they would, you know, loot a, a target. You can get a big screen TV. You could get a basketball and a golf club and an outdoor chair. What are they, go they're going for sugar-free Red Bull and you saw the one kid who was grabbing all the condoms as if he's gonna have any use for them. I mean, what in God's <laughs> name is going on here just sort of culturally? There's the condom kid. He's gonna be grabbing him. Watch this guy, look at this guy, look at this. I'm gonna take all those condoms. I'm gonna sell them on the black market. It's completely ridiculous. But look, the truth is, joking aside, I mean, this is just not gonna stop in blue cities, period. Uh, Los Angeles decided to go from one bad DA to another. They decided to go from one uh, progressive mayor to another. And nobody will stand up for law and order there. And as you know, you know, we're going through this mass migration in the United States where the good law abiding citizens are just saying, hey, enough's enough. And the other part of this, of course, is that, you know, a lot of these gas stations, even though they, you know, they have big names attached to them, you know, whatever it is, Shell, et cetera, uh, they're, they're licensed and owned by usually immigrants or first generation uh, people in America, you know, just the average guy who's not some rich gazillionaire. And at some point, they're not going to want to run these stores anymore. And then where are we going to be? Well, one, I'm a little bit offended, and you know it's impossible to offend me, Dave, with your besmirchment of the gas station. The gas station is, is one of the great places in this country. If I'm, if I'm on the way home tonight and I want a Hot Pocket, maybe some lottery tickets, maybe I want to go buy a pack of cigarettes with beer, a little donut on the side, I get all these things and antifreeze at a gas station. I will not stand gas station besmirchment on this show, Dave. Wow, right, Jesse, but, you, uh, out of all of that, you forgot the uh, like seven-month-old hot dog, the one hot dog that's slowly going on <laughs> How do you forget that it's of all of them, true. you know? It's true. Oh, There's always man, it's one. True. All right, quit. <laughs> it's always one. There's always one, and you're right. They never change it. It's just there no, no, forever. No, no, no. All right. Back to what you were saying. So uh, this is my problem, Dave, and I, and I don't fully understand this. Maybe you don't either, but... Why the endless cycle? Like you just mentioned, they keep bouncing out these nutball communists who are going to turn open the jails, but then they turn around and welcome in a new one the next day. If, if that was happening to my neighborhood, rich, poor, middle class, I would want a change of some kind, even if I'm not political, right? If I'm not a Republican, Democrat, whatever, I would say, well, whatever we did before, let's not do that again. And I would change my behavior, but it doesn't change. Why? No, you, you know, one of the disappointing things about the left over the last, you know, say seven, eight, nine years is that they have consistently doubled down on every bad policy. Show me one big government pro policy that works. Show me one tax increase that did anything to help the people it purported to help. They consistently go to their worst side and then all the moderates, whatever moderate liberal existed, and there, there used to be moderate liberals, there were things known as blue dog liberals, blue dog Democrats, they don't exist anymore. The, the party has been completely taken over and no one is radical enough. So they're always trying to out radicalize each other. I mean, look, Jesse, what you're showing right there is from LA, but look what's gone on in Chicago the last couple of days. Chicago, which is basically the murder capital of the United States, which has the strictest gun laws in the United States. They get rid of Lori Lightfoot, who is a far left loon, and they bring in this guy who's even worse. And then next thing you know, literally a week later after he's put in, you, you in essence have massive rioting in the streets. Oh, there you go. I mean, look at this. 
That would never happen where I live in the free state of Florida. I assure you it would not because we've got red mayors in basically every city except for Fort Lauderdale at this point. And we're a law and order state and people just have to decide what what part of the country they want to live in. Dave, okay, there is a common thread, a fairly common thread with all these. It's a name we've mentioned a thousand times, George Soros. I still just can't wrap my mind around how broken our nation must be that we would allow a foreign-born, I know he's an American citizen now, but we would allow a foreign-born rich guy to not only cause violence, uh, chaos, rape, murder, just horrible things in our cities, but to publicly brag about it and announce his intention to continue doing so. What kind of a nation are we that we haven't done something about this? How is this guy not banished from our shores or rotting in prison somewhere? I don't know, but he is morphing into Emperor Palpatine very quickly. Let those images you're showing right there. Uh, Look, first off, let me be clear about one thing. It is not anti-Semitic to say that George Soros is destroying the United States. He happens to be Jewish. He offers no support ever for Israel or anything that I would call a a righteous Jewish cause, let's say. Um, And also, you're allowed to attack a specific person. It doesn't mean you're going after their ethnicity. But let's just move aside on that for a second. The fact is, he has put a tremendous amount of money into Alvin Bragg in New York, into Chesa Bodine in San Francisco, into George Gascon in Los Angeles. And everything that he touches related to law and order uh, basically turns into chaos. And I think the only, uh, it might sound cynical, but I think the only estimation that you can come to, the only conclusion that you can come to with this guy is he wants more chaos so that his authoritarian type political leaders can take power. So we have not hit rock bottom in any of these places yet. I don't know what rock bottom looks like. You know, San Francisco, for example, cannot get much worse, but it can get worse to some degree. And I don't know what that rock bottom is that then would cause the good people of San Francisco, whoever remains, to say, oh, we need a Rudy Giuliani from 1998 New York City. I just don't think that that's going to happen anymore. I think these places are in a free fall that I don't see any comeback from anytime soon because of the migration I mentioned before. This, What's happened because of COVID in the last couple of years has significantly altered everything. In years past, you could have a bad administration for one go-round, and then people would be like, boy, that was pretty bad for these four years, let's fix it. But now people are just like, oh, that was so horrible because of COVID, I left Michigan, and I left uh, Illinois, and I left New York, and I left Cali, and where did I go? I went into the red states. So the red states are getting redder, the blue states are getting bluer. So it's not like this would have been, say, 10 years ago when a cycle would have ran, people would have recognized bad Democrat policies, and then voted them out. Now they don't have enough voters to do that. Yeah, it is It is the dark part about it, and you're 100% right. It's why we're racing this way, because people are migrating. Human migration is a real thing. You migrated, you left California, you now live in the free state of Florida. What's better? <laughs> I mean, dude, there's just no comparison. But, you know, obviously people ask me this all the time, and I won't give you the generic answer. I'll tell you one other thing which is that it's not all the obvious reasons, the finances, the law and order, and blah, blah, blah. It's what that gives you at the end. And you know what it gives you, Jesse? It gives you a pride in your community. When I go out in my community here, not only is everyone friendly and happy, and you can feel the success of that, meaning that the businesses are doing well, the restaurants are packed, but when I go to the farmer's market, 
uh, every weekend with my kids, I say hello to the police and it's like, they're not at odds with me. They don't even have to be there because there's no freaking crime. But the point is, it, it creates a culture where people are really proud of the, of the place that they live. And when you have that first, you can build up from that. Contrast that with the video that you just showed out of LA or out of Chicago. These people, they, well, they certainly shouldn't be proud of what's going on there, but there's nobody left to stop the disintegration. And uh, yeah, your logo right there is right, man. I don't see any way that that starts going back to purple. Uh, And by the way, that might be okay. I know you agree with me on that, right? I do. No, I, I, I do. I, look, I, I view the future of the country not to be too black-pilled and dark. I don't view the federal, federal system as something that can be salvaged. I think the future of the country is a coalition of red, freedom-loving states joining together and creating essentially a new economy, a new everything. That's the way I view it. So I, we're all going to be in this together one way or the other. Dave, thank you, brother. Jesse, you know, if you, if you ever would have told me when I was watching Star Wars five years, you know, the prequels from, you know, 20 years ago, that I would have been one of the separatists, I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? And here we are. <laughs> You're here very tall. Are. That makes yeah. you General Grievous. That's, that's fine. I'm, I've, I've always saw myself as a general anyway, Dave. <laughs> Let's see you, buddy. Yeah. All right. We're not done. We'll be back. So what do we do? It's not just about pointing out the problems. What do we do? How do we attack this? How do we become anti-communists and practice anti-communism? Well, we got some action items for you. First, on the cultural destruction end, don't be ashamed of your nation's past. Don't ever let them do that to you. Don't let them say, oh, you must be a Confederate. You like slavery? Don't allow them to use your values against you. Two, inspire appreciation for your culture, for your history. Talk to your children about how wonderful it is. When your child comes home after history class and tells you, Dad, I learned today that Andrew Jackson was a monster. Sit your child down and explain that Andrew Jackson was a lion with flaws and that this nation was built by men like Andrew Jackson. Don't shy away from it. Wade into it. Celebrate it. Protect the monuments you have in your community. Don't allow a bunch of soft loser communists on your city council to tear down your history. Your history matters. It is wonderful and it is important. And if they do, if they do bow to the mob, Republican or Democrat, get them out of office with a purpose. Put the fear of God in any other politician who may think about doing these things. Let them know you will take their seats of power away from them. And, and this might be the most important thing, Build new ones. Don't just complain about them tearing down a monument of Washington, D.C., or of George Washington. Go demand your city council build a new one. Christopher Columbus right beside him. Be proud enough to build new monuments to your history. It does matter. You may not think it doesn't, or you may not think it does, but it does. Now as to the street groups. The money supply. These are not just random groups. They don't just show up just out of the goodness of their own hearts. They're funded. Remember when BLM and Antifa were burning down those cities? Miraculously, pallets of bricks would just show up in cities? That didn't just happen. They didn't fall out of the sky. These groups are organized and they're funded. 
So get your state and local law enforcement, the feds won't do it, they're part of it. Get your state and local law enforcement involved, infiltrate these networks, blow up the money portion of it by attacking the money portion of it. Two, designate these groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter terrorist organizations. That's what they are. They're clearly terrorist organizations. Have your state, have your city, have your county, designate them that helps them break it up. Also, support DAs. George Soros and the communists figured out a long time ago the DAs are where the power lies because they can choose who gets indicted and who doesn't get indicted. Let's go put our own DAs in there and do that ourselves. Finally, I have a plan to defend your home or business. Don't just hope the cops are going to show up. The street animals may very well come knocking on your door one day. Don't let them take what's yours. All right? All right. We'll do it again. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.